0: Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to worship with you today. Thank you Jerome for the songs. Thank you Bob for the prayer and Steve for the words that our Lord's Supper. Our scripture reading today is the first eleven verses of Second Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What if I told you that each Sunday morning from here on out could be the best worship that you've ever had? That for each sermon Tony or Jeff or I preached, it was the best sermon that you ever heard. The singing, what if it was the best that you'd ever heard each time you came back here to Heartland? And Jerome just kept outdoing himself time after time, week after week. Wouldn't that be nice? Where do I sign up, right? What if I told you that your relationships with people at work, people at school People here at church to get better and better. And that that person, man, that just really annoys you and gets underneath your skin, they could become less and less annoying. Sounds pretty good, right? What if I told you that your relationship with God could get better week after week and you can be more trusting and dependent upon God and feel His presence more and more? If I told you that all of this could happen, would you believe me? And if you believe me, wouldn't you want to sign up for this? Wouldn't this be something you would want to be a part of? Second Peter is a little three chapter letter. Toward the end of the Bible, it was written by the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus's closest comrades and 12 disciples second Peter is about the importance of right thinking and the devastating, sinful effects of wrong thinking. It's a warning against false teachers who were saying, hey, Christ isn't going to come back. Why live with all these moral restraints? And their lives were defined by no morality at all. And they were encouraged. Or they were encouraging others to live this way, too it all began up here in their heads, what they believed, how they thought. That's why Peter says in this letter in chapter three, he says, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate stimulate you to wholesome thinking. You see, Peter understood that the way we think and our knowledge is very important, especially for Christians. What we believe, how we think about things, our knowledge determines our actions and behaviors. Well, I don't know if you noticed in the first 11 verses that I read, there was a lot about knowledge in there. Um, Peter starts his letter off like this. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Have you ever put together a piece of furniture that came out of a box or maybe a model car or a model airplane? And you can't quite finish the project because there's a missing piece. Some bolt or some screw didn't get placed in the kit. And now you can't have this new divan or this, this flying object or whatever it is. And that's frustrating, right? That happened to us with a lawnmower recently. We bought a lawnmower and it came with the wrong mulching bag, this push mower. And we went through this big, long process to get the correct mulching bag for our mower. Well, Peter says that because of our knowledge... God has given us everything we need for a life that's pleasing to God. There are no missing pieces. We have it all. Do you believe that? You believe that you have everything you need to live a life pleasing to God. When you think about God, how holy He is, how righteous He is, how just He is. The Old Testament says you can't even... Look at God or else you'll die Because he's so holy And righteous When you think about yourself You believe That your life can actually be Pleasing To God Maybe not Maybe you think about your past Some of the things that you've done Maybe you've given up On a life pleasing To God If this is you I bring you good news because you have hope because knowledge is power. And through our knowledge, God has given us everything we need for a life that's pleasing to God. So, since our knowledge is so important, I want to talk about that for a little bit. Well, first off, assuming that you desire for your life to be pleasing to God, because if you don't, desire that I'm not sure I can help you today but if assuming that you desire for your life to be pleasing to God knowledge is both content we also call this doctrine and relationship so we can read the Bible like it's a book of facts like it's an encyclopedia and we can get all this cool stuff about God like how he created the world and how Jesus was fully divine and fully human and how he's coming back a second time and that's content. That's doctrine. We also um, can not only know about God, but we can know God, which is relationship. We can spend time with God. We can communicate with God in prayer. That's relationship. We can get to know God as a child gets to know a good father. So knowledge is both content and relationship. And both are very important. Content without relationship will lead us to be powerless against sin. And that's not a pleasing life to God. Relationship without content will lead to sins due to wrong thinking. Again, not pleasing to God. Now, I expect that Some of us here are, well, we're pretty good at content and doctrinal truths. But maybe we're lacking a little bit in relationship. Maybe some of us here are really good at relationship and we spend a lot of time with God in prayer. But we're not so good on content and the doctrinal truth that we find in the Bible. The challenge, then, is to mature in both of these types of knowledge. Both in content and relationship. And our goal should be that the two should overlap. And we're in this place where our life is pleasing to God. We're bearing fruit. And we're giving glory to God. That's where we want to be. A good example of this is when you combine our knowledge of sin, which is doctrinal truth, content, with confession. That's relationship. So look at these verses. Psalm 32, verse 5. David says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and you did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Proverbs 28:13. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy and then 1st John chapter 1 verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness do you see the two types of knowledge working together here Knowing what sin is. Now, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's a doctrinal truth. If we lacked this knowledge about sin, our behavior would certainly be affected, right? It would be impossible to live a life pleasing to God. On the other hand, if we acknowledge our sin, but we never confess it, we didn't have relationship Repentance and confession would not be possible. And a life without confession and repentance is a life that's not pleasing to God. There is no forgiveness. There is no mercy. So both of these types of knowledge, content and relationship, must be present in order for your life to be pleasing to God. For this very reason, make every effort To add to your faith, goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. I don't know if you've noticed, but so far Peter has given us two ways in which we get help in living a life pleasing to God. Peter says his divine power has given us everything we need. So God's power helps us. And it's through our knowledge of God and Jesus. So God's power and our knowledge help us to lead a life pleasing to God. And now Peter gives us a third way. And that is personal effort. Peter implores Christians to make every effort to add to their faith. These seven virtues we find here. Goodness. Knowledge. Self-control. Perseverance. Godliness. brotherly Kindness. Love. These virtues. They lead to a life that's pleasing to God. And these virtues take a lot of effort. No getting around it. Take a lot of effort. This third way that Peter gives us of living a godly life, a life pleasing to God, I think it's probably the way that we're not the biggest fan of. I mean, we're good with God helping us. We're good with our knowledge. This personal effort thing, that's tough. We pray, God, please take away my desire to look at this website. We pray, God, please take away my greediness. God, please take away my envy and my jealousy. God, please control my tongue. Do this for me. God, please take away my love for cheese. Now listen, God does help you. But if I told you that you wouldn't have to work hard, I wouldn't be a very good spiritual guide to you. You're going to have to fight for a holy life. You're going to have to dodge some punches from Satan. You're going to have to beat your body into submission. Church, have you settled with sin just kind of being a part of who you are? Maybe you've had these thoughts where you think, I don't know why I try so hard. I'm never not going to be a sinner. I'm always going to be a sinner. This is just my temptation. who I am, it is what it is. Christians shouldn't be struggling this much. This must be what the grace of God is for. Peter says, if you make every effort to add to your faith these seven virtues, you can overcome this unwholesome thinking. But make no bones about it. It will take personal effort on your part. The disciples made personal effort. They struggled. The Apostle Paul, he struggled a lot. It's just kind of the normal part of being a Christian. To struggle and to battle with sin and temptation. And look, if you are trying really hard. And you're struggling and you're battling. It doesn't mean that you're trying to earn your salvation. It doesn't mean that you're taking away anything from what Jesus did on the cross for you. What it does mean is that you care about your life being pleasing to God. And church, that is a struggle worth having. That is a fight worth fighting for. How about that Michael Phelps, right? He, uh, he has obviously been given some special gifts by God that make him a great swimmer, great athlete. Okay, we've all seen Michael Phelps without his shirt on, right? We can see that he's been working very hard. He trains really hard. I'm sure he has a diet regimen. There, in addition to these gifts that he has, he's had to work and train really hard. It takes a lot of personal effort to win gold medal. And the same goes for us. We've been given many gifts. God helps us. We have this great knowledge, but it takes personal effort as well. By the way, I knew I wouldn't have time to go into each of these seven virtues in detail individually. So what I've done, you might have noticed, I've put explanations of The seven virtues on the back of the bulletin. And what I would encourage you to do sometime today, sometime this week, read through these seven virtues. And I would encourage you to really meditate on them, pray over them, that these virtues might soak into your life. Write them down somewhere where you see them all the time. Make them your wallpaper or your screensaver. Write them down in your notebook. Get a magnet and put this up on your fridge. Some place where you can see these seven virtues. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. Put them somewhere where you can see them. And you can be reminded that this is what we're shooting for as Christians. This is what is pleasing to God. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like what Eugene Peterson says on this verse. He says, with these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, your life is going to become more and more pleasing to God. Your relationships are going to get better and better, and your worship is going to get more vibrant by the week. Will Tony and Jeff and I become better preachers? Well, hopefully, we will. Will Jerome become a better worship leader? I think Jerome strives to do the best he can. But even if we have peaked as preachers and worship leaders, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, no preacher or song leader is going to stand in your way of having a great, spirit-filled, awe-inspiring worship. Okay, no annoying co-worker is going to get in your way of making your work pleasing to God. No human flaw that exists in your husband or wife will stand in your way of making your marriage awesome. No human flaw that exists in your husband or wife or your friend or your coworker, or your children or your brother and Christian in Christ will stand in your way of loving that person like Christ loved you if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. You can't improve, control, or change other people so much as you can control and change and improve yourself. If you focus on these seven virtues, you will change a lot about yourself, And look, typically, this isn't an, an overnight fix. It takes a lot of effort, but it also takes a lot of time. So you can't get up one morning and say, man, I'm going to be good, knowledgeable, self-controlling, perseverant, godly, kind, and loving today. I mean, you can have that attitude. I applaud it, I applaud the ambition, but it normally takes time. It takes effort and your life isn't going to be this straight line like on a graph gradually going up over time it's going to be kind of like this, you know, up and down but let's hope that it goes up more than it goes down so it does increase over time it's about prayerfully handing your life over to God more and more each day as you get to know more about God Okay, that's, that's reading this book right here. you got to read the book. Okay, some of you guys are going to college for the first time. Um, school has started for a lot of you. And you've got these textbooks that you've ordered or download, however you get your textbooks these days. But remember, you've already got the most important textbook in your possession. This right here. And hopefully you'll make all kinds of great relationships at school and at college. But remember, you've already got the best relationship possible. Your relationship with God. And remember, your relationship with God and what you read and hear. This is what leads to wholesome thinking. When I was in college, I majored in finance. And they taught us that greed is good. Okay? That's not fulsome thinking. Generosity is good. Self-sacrifice is good. That's self-fulsome thinking. But if you do not have them, these virtues in your life, if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sin. Lucy came forward one Sunday morning. She was so touched by the preacher's presentation of the gospel that she knew she had to be a Christian today. So at the conclusion of the sermon during the invitation song, Lucy came forward. He told the preacher, "Preacher, I want to be baptized today. I want to wash my sins away. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life." So as she was preparing to get baptized, she could hear the congregation singing in the background these glorious songs She steps into the cool, refreshing water and the preacher joyfully immerses her down into the water and raises her up from that watery grave. And Lucy cries out, Oh no! And the preacher, quite perplexed, looks at Lucy and says, Lucy, what's wrong? What's the matter? And Lucy looks down, Reaches into her pocket. I left my cell phone in my pocket. My whole day is ruined. Now, look, there are some tragic things that can happen in our lives um, that are worth ruining our days. Let's admit it. Um, They leave holes in our hearts, that's the nature of the place that we live. But I wonder if many of the things that ruin our days, many of the people that disappoint us, get on our nerves, are really worth ruining our days. I'm not so sure. When we open our eyes and we think about what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we remember that we're cleansed from our past sins. We think about Jesus, how he was shamed and spat upon and rejected. How he was pierced for your sins. He was pierced for Justin's sins. He was crushed for Cindy's iniquity. By his wounds, Miranda is healed. When we think about this and the enormity of those facts and our relationship with God, what is going to ruin our day? Some broken cell phone? Some annoying coworker. I think that a lot of these things will just go strangely dim. And our identity in Christ will be illuminated if we have our minds in the right place. I think that's what the Lord's Supper is designed to do for us. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it gets our thinking back where it should be. About our identity in Christ, what Christ did for us. That's the beauty of that memorial. The way we think is critical. Therefore, my brothers, <clears throat> be all the more eager to make your calling an election sure. Meaning, hey, validate that you're a child of God by acting like it. Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, when the winning home, the winning team come home from the the, the big game and they've won, they get into the airport and there's this big welcome party with cheers and signs. Welcome home. We love you. Great job. You're the best. Maybe, maybe a few of you have experienced that experience. Um, but wouldn't it be nice to have that experience? Have you ever wondered what that would be like? Well, I don't know about you, but personally, I hope to find out for myself what that experience is like when I am welcomed into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I think it will make today's struggling and battling with temptation and sin completely worth it. God will help you with your struggles and temptations make no doubt. But it also takes personal effort on your part. And look Sometimes it just doesn't seem worth it. it. doesn't seem worth it to work so hard and struggle and just not to give in. But when we see that welcoming party for us, and we lay our burdens at the feet of Jesus, and He says to you, Welcome home. Well done, good and faithful servant. Imagine how that's going to feel think all of our temporary struggles and temptations will seem totally worth it. So if you're not a Christian here today, this church would love to do this. It would be our pleasure to give you just a glimpse of what that welcoming party is going to be like someday. Put on Christ and baptism. Wash away your sins. Call on the name of the Lord. Make Jesus Lord of your life. And we will do our best to give you a rich welcome into the family of God. And rejoice in your new commitment in following Jesus. If you are a Christian today, but maybe you've kind of lost some hope in living a life that's pleasing to God. Let's get back on track today. We'll pray for you. We will bathe you in encouragement and prayer. And there's no better day to get back on the right track to turn over a new leaf than today. Whatever your need, we're going to sing an invitation song. Jerome's going to lead here in just a second. You can come forward to the front row. There will be one of our shepherds here who can help you, you and talk to me. Whatever your need, please come as we stand and sing.